This is a brief healing. I am Sensei Raven Ekundayo. So, last month you guys had an awesome response to my coverage of the Survivor Series. So, I figured I would continue to do this with the different WWE pay-per-views. I had a feeling that if I reached out to my friends who were fans of wrestling, that I would probably get a really good response. But I, you know sometimes you're not sure. So I was like, let's just experiment. Now that we're doing you know, something new within the Healing Space universe called A Brief Healing, here's a perfect opportunity for me to do it. Now, tonight, I had an opportunity to watch Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. I'm recording this uh, on Sunday. And it's a three hour, actually it was a four hour show. So I'm going to attempt to get four hours into 15 to 20 minutes. So yeah, I'm not going to be able to go into deep detail, <laughs> but hopefully for me describing everything, it'll give you a pretty good idea of what took place during this event. Now, of course it's co-branded. So it's uh, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live. All in all, I would say that it was a pretty okay pay-per-view. I wouldn't say it was stellar. I wouldn't say that it was great. I would say that it was a pretty okay pay-per-view. The ending was awesome. And uh, there's another podcast that I actually listen to that's a wrestling podcast. Well, I'm more so I watch it on YouTube. I don't listen to it. But they were talking about who they thought was going to win the main event. And I think one of them actually said the right person and they gave a good reason why. And what ended up happening, I believe, is going to lead to exactly what it is that they said. So I thought it was really cool how it ended. But for the most part, eh, you know, so let's start off with the kickoff show. The kickoff show was Buddy Murphy, who is the cruiserweight champion of their show 205 Live. And he was against Cedric Alexander. Cedric Alexander is the former champion. And Cedric actually held the belt for a while. Uh, what I thought was so unfortunate about Cedric's run is that from the Cruiserweight Classic several years ago, he became a really big deal. He was signed to the WWE and they took a while to give him the title. I guess because they wanted to have it kind of, you know, he was going after it. There were other things happening in his career. Once 205 Live was created, he was doing all these different fights until he made his way around to being champion. So when he made his way around to being champion, he didn't have a lot to do. You hardly saw him on television. It was really weird. It was like he finally got his dream. And then once he got his dream, the reason why he held the belt for so long is because he hardly fought. So he ended up losing the title at what I believe was called Super Show. And this took place in Australia. So Buddy Murphy is from Australia. And for those of you listening who may be wrestling fans who don't know this, Vince McMahon has a tendency to make his wrestlers lose in their hometowns. It almost always happens in America. If you are fighting in your hometown, you can be pretty sure you're going to lose. But this wasn't the case with the Australian wrestlers, probably because they haven't been there in years. So <laughs> Buddy Murphy ended up winning his match. And um, the Iconics, uh, two women who wrestle for WWE on SmackDown Live, they ended up winning their match as well. And they're both from Australia. So Buddy Murphy won the title. So Cedric Alexander, I believe, was in a four-way, a fatal four-way match where he ended up winning that and he became the challenger to Buddy Murphy for TLC. So they ended up having a, a great match and I took a whole lot of notes for the entire show. So forgive me, I'm going to read to make sure that I'm saying everything. Okay. So yeah, okay. There was a point where Cedric put the lumbar check on Buddy Murphy and it was a really weak lumbar check. So there was a part of me that felt like, because Buddy ends up kicking out. So I'm like, is the storyline he didn't get as much of the lumbar check as he could have and that's why Buddy kicked out? 
Or would Buddy have kicked out even at, even if he got the full force of the lumbar check? I thought that was interesting. Um, then I put down, pay attention to the commentators when they make too many. Right, okay. So they were making some comments saying that they were pretty sure that Cedric was going to end up winning. I often notice that if they make too many comments like that, it usually means that wrestler isn't going to win because they're seeming like a little too sure. Uh, so that always gives me pause and I'm like, eh, yeah, you know, so I kind of had a feeling that Cedric wasn't going, going to end up winning. Also with Buddy, it's kind of like why give him the title and take it away from him that quickly when I honestly think it's going to end up going to Mustafa Ali. That's me. Uh, I, I don't see Cedric beating Buddy again. I see it being like maybe a, a WrestleMania match between the two of them because Buddy Murphy and Mustafa Ali have a long history and a great history they put on st Mustafa Ali puts on stellar matches with anybody for any of you guys who saw him on uh Smackdown Live against Daniel Bryan like that dude can be on any show they all they often say that uh AJ Styles can make anyone look good he can bring anyone up to his league I believe that that's the case with Mustafa Ali I believe Mustafa Ali can make anyone look good now mind you Daniel Bryan of course doesn't be made to be to, doesn't need to be made to look good but I'm just saying you know like he can put on a stellar match with anybody so what ended up happening at the end of the match they they had quite a few finish, finishers that were really like dry um Buddy Murphy ended up hitting Murphy's Law and it was kind of an anticlimactic ending because he put it on him after a really slow like he did something to Cedric uh Alexander in the corner I don't even really remember it but after pulling him out of the corner you hit him with Murphy's Law and you're kind of like for such a fast-paced match you would figure that that the finisher would have come out of nowhere instead of kind of being like okay we're gonna go into a slow conclusion so that was strange so that was their match. So Buddy's still champion going into this week's 205 Live. So the next match ended up being uh, Bobby Lashley versus Elias. Now, I I initially thought that this shouldn't have been on the kickoff show. I thought the same thing about the 205 Live match, honestly. Um, I feel like 205 Live, since it gets such bad ratings on the WWE Network, that it needs that kind of exposure as often as it can. I loved that at Survivor Series, it actually was on the main card. So I was a little disappointed when it wasn't this time. But Bobby Lashley and Elias, I was like, what? what? Elias is hugely over, you know? Um, so why is it that you'd put this on the kickoff show? But once the match took place, yeah, I was able to understand why. So let's see some of the notes that I put down. Um, I said, once I had a chance to look at the match, I realized it fit perfectly on the kickoff show. Then I said, the match was dry and without much personality. It felt like the match just wanted to, it felt like a match you just wanted to get over with. And that's very true. There's nothing, there's nothing I can really think about the match because it was a ladder match and you had to climb to the top of the, uh, the ladder and grab the guitar. And there's nothing that really stands out. I mean, there were points where Leo Rush interfered. That probably was the most entertaining part of it, you know. Um, and okay, so I put Bobby is cool, but Leo would do. Yeah. So I'm looking at uh, after the match was over with because Elias ended up winning. Uh, he had taken out both Bobby and Leo. And so he ended up grabbing the guitar. But when he got down, Bobby ended up beating him up. Um, Leo ended up hitting the uh, final hour on him, which is his frog splash. And then uh, Bobby hit him with the guitar to his back. So even though they lost, they won. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, if this was Leo versus Elias, this would be much, 
better. Like the mic back and forth between the two of them would be epic. But with Bobby, it's kind of like, eh. So that's what I felt the whole time. I was sitting there like, I wish this could be Leo in his place. And Leo actually ended up beating him one Raw this past week, albeit it was cheating. But still, you know, seeing the two of them would be great. So next, <laughs> I'm looking at the time as I'm recording and I'm like, yeah, no, this is definitely going to go past 15 minutes. So let's speed this up a little bit. So in the Mixed Max Challenge finals, Mixed Match Challenge finals, it was Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox versus R-Truth and Carmella. So the notes that I put down, I said another pointless match. The moves were sloppy, which they were, especially with the women. I don't know. It, it bothers me when some of the women wrestle how it's like. They're so terrified to be injured that they get really sloppy with the moves they do for not wanting to be injured. And it's like you have to give your all to it, you know, like you'll go and you'll look at matches. And this is the reason why people like Charlotte Flair get top billing, because you watched that um, the match between she and Becky and Asuka and they gave their bodies to every move. And it's like, dude, you have to give yourself over. You can't be afraid to, you know, take these bumps. So that was some of the things that irritated me about the match. It's kind of like when R. What I was about to say, R. Kelly. What on earth? When Randy Orton. <laughs> what? I think I was going for RKO. When Randy Orton used to hit the RKO on Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal wouldn't give his full body over to the RKO. He would kind of land on his knees, and I'm like, it's damn near Stone Cold Stunner. It's like, no, that's not gonna work. Um, so I put Carmella made Alicia tap to the, I believe it's, I believe it's called the code of silence, not the cone of silence. I could be wrong, but she ended up putting in it, putting, putting her in the move. And now I like the way she flowed into it. It came out of a move that Alicia was doing. She flipped it on her and she ended up in that finishing move. And so Alicia tapped out. So the, the winners were supposed to get, uh, an all expense paid vacation to wherever they wanted to go as well as they'll both be number 30 in the royal rumble so Car carmella will be number 30 in the women's royal rumble and our truth is number 30 in the men's well when it came time to announce what their uh round trip was going to be it ended up our our truth ended up saying that he made the decision because carmella didn't even know that it was up to them to tell wwe where they wanted to go ahead of time so he said he took a, he took care of it and it was going to end up being at wwe headquarters i guess they just wanted to make something silly to me it was just stupid and i was like it was a waste of time you could have just said they both got into the royal rumble and kept it going next match was the usos versus the new day versus the bar clearly you knew it was going to be a classic there were a whole lot of near falls like Think about the three teams I just named off. The Bar, the Usos, and the New Day. All of them, you can put any of them in a match with each other. Not only that, you can also put all of them in singles matches with each other. That's what says a lot. Not only are they great as a team, but every single one of them, including the Usos, could all have solo matches and they will be awesome. So you had to know that when they had this match, it was going to be amazing. And sure enough, they shut it down they really did it was a really really good match um and i put the uh, the bar one when xavier sprung toward sheamus like it's one of those moves mustafa ali does it too so does cedric alexander they'll be standing on the apron and they kind of propel themselves forward through the middle rope and they do different things like cedric i mean uh cedric uh mustafa ali when he does his he like comes through the ropes kind of uh, kicks himself up in the air and gives you a neck breaker. 
Um, Cedric, I believe he comes through and gives you, I forgot what the, the name of that move is, but he kind of plants you face forward. So Xavier, I don't know what he was going to do, but as he was coming through the ropes, he got a broke kick from Sheamus and Sheamus got the pin and their tag team division is just flawless. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate because they have some teams like, uh, the club insanity who are really great teams, but they don't get any time to shine but it it would be nice if they created even like right there like if sanity was to have a feud with um the club it really could be a thing because it's sad and that's not all of the teams that they have but a lot of them um fall by the wayside because of those three great teams that they have on there so uh one of them two of them could end up going to raw because raw has a horrible tag team division horrible Next was Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. Now, Braun Strowman is out with uh, an injury. So it was kind of like, well, how is this match going to go? Because Braun is injured. He has a, um, an elbow. I believe something happened with his elbow. So he had to go off for surgery. So he's not going to be there. So he came down with his arm in a sling. The referee was counting because the way that it was was that everyone assumed it would be forfeit. After the count of 10, the match would, would have been forfeited and Baron Corbin would have become the official general manager of uh, Raw. However, at number seven, when the referee got to seven, Braun's music hit and he came down, arm in a sling, so you knew he wasn't going to wrestle. Uh, but he said, you know, Baron had made enemies of a lot of people. And so there are a lot of people who could help him because the match is no DQ. No DQ. And since it was no DQ, it's like anything goes. And I believe it was a chairs match or maybe it was just the fact that it was no no disqualification that everyone had chairs. But Apollo Crews came out. Um, Gable and Rude came out, the new tag team champions. And Finn Balor came out. So all of them came out and Heath Slater was the referee, which for those of you who don't know, a recent storyline is that Baron Corbin had Heath Slater and Rhino fight each other. Heath Slater ended up winning and Rhino was fired, but that was, that wasn't real. Uh, he wasn't really fired, but, um, so Heath Slater had to become a referee by order of Baron Corbin. So he was the referee for this match and he also turned on Baron. So, ooh, excuse me. So uh, Baron had escaped and gotten away from everybody. But as he, going, as he was going up the ramp, Kurt Angle's music hit and Kurt Angle came down. So he threw Baron in the ring and all of them did their finishers on Baron. And there's a new finisher. I think oh, the, re, the way you can tell that Gable and Root are like a legit tag team now. One, they both wear um, matching outfits now. But they did this finishing move where Rick, Rick Rude, where Bobby Rude goes to put you into what looks like it's going to be a Rude Awakening. But he holds you in the pose like he's about to drop down into the neck breaker. But Gable gets on the top rope and does a moonsault onto you. And then he drops you into the neck breaker. That's an awesome ass finisher. I don't know who thought of that. But I was like, wow, people continue to be innovative with finishing moves. But I'm like, they could have just put him in that. <laughs> and that would have knocked him out but after they all finished doing their finishers the very last one was the coup de gras by um by finn balor and then um braun Strowman walked over put his foot on him and pinned him and uh mr mcmahon will be there on raw um on monday you're listening to this oh, you're listening to this on monday duh i forgot the freaking thing goes up the next day i'm so used to recording on uh the show going up on tuesdays <laughs> 
that I forget that the this one goes up the very next day. So yes, if you're listening to this in the morning, Mr. McMahon will be on there tonight. If you're listening to this after it, he was on there tonight. If you're listening to this a day later, a week later, a month later, <laughs> just know Mr. McMahon was on there. Okay. So the next one was Natalia and Ruby, so I'm going to just go right past this. The match was boring as hell. Um, it tugged at your heartstrings just a little bit towards the end um, because Natalia, the whole fight was getting respect for her dad who passed away. I thought it was in poor taste that they did any storyline around her father because he literally just passed away. But she was okay with it, so whatever. But in the end, she ended up putting Ruby Riot through a table. Um, and Liv Morgan took an awesome bump off of the apron. But yeah, just know Natalia won. The whole thing's over. Okay. Uh, Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. I actually enjoyed this match. It was pretty well paced. Um, Dolph ended up coming down because he and Drew are now against each other. He came down when it looked like Drew was going to get the win over Finn. Drew was on the outside and he ate a super kick from Dolph. Then Dolph went to pick up a chair because he wasn't done with Drew. But when he came running at Drew, Drew gave him a boot and knocked him out. He um, ended up climbing in the ring. And I forgot what it was. What did I put what it was? In the ring, Finn dropped coup de gras. Okay, because he climbed in the ring with the chair. But then um, Finn Balor went flying towards him and did that kind of drop kick that knocks you into the corner. But he did it with the chair in front of Drew. So that knocked Drew down. He got up and then hit the coup de gras to get the win. I did not expect Finn to win that match. Not at all. So that was a pleasant surprise. Ray versus Randy. Well told between the veterans. Well paced. Uh, the ending was a bit sloppy. It was a chairs match, and he ended up hitting um, what is would it, would it, that have been a sunset flip? It was just a really whack ending. I don't know. You could you could see when you were watching the match, it gave very much we're veterans. They put on a good match. Understand the two of them are great storytellers, but it was kind of like eh, that ending was very. Ugh, I don't know. Give me excitement with endings. It's Randy Orton. This dude will hit an RKO out of nowhere, and you never see it coming. But and Ray still moves super fast, like he did when he was in his twenties. So for the ending to come off that way, it was just like. Eh. Ronda versus Nia. I put, I'm here for any match between Nia versus Ronda. And this is the truth. They have amazing chemistry together. I put their size difference works great. And it does. This is the second time they've met in one on one competition. And they work so well together. Like both of them shine. Nia shines and Ronda shines whenever they're in a match together. I said, Ronda takes awesome bumps. And she does. She's not afraid. You saw what happened with, Char- with she and Charlotte at um survivor series like she takes bumps she's willing to take it and i really like that about her um i put uh what body press from the top rope to the outside oh flying body press okay so ronda was on on the top rope while while naya was standing outside she flew off for a flying body press and it was she just threw caution to the wind once again going back to what i was saying earlier about you have to give yourself over to these moves you can be careful but you have to give yourself over to these moves Okay, this looks like this episode is going to be about 25 minutes instead of 20. <laughs> it's a four, it was a four-hour pay-per-view, like I said. Okay, so I put Ronda power-bombed Nia from the second rope. And then she ended up putting her in the arm, arm bar. And she ended up beating uh, beating Nia. I put, I don't think Ronda should have just won the match though. It should have been a dirty finish so that Nia could have been protected. And I really do believe that. I believe that... 
you wanted to keep Nia strong because, and I don't know if they felt like this was their way of ending the chapter between Nia and Becky because Becky ended up seeing Nia backstage after Nia lost this match and she told her to keep her name out of her mouth and punched her. So I was like, is this supposed to be the end of Nia being a part of this whole thing? I don't know. But I didn't want it to be that way. I was like, keep Nia and uh, Ronda protected and make there be some type of interference as there ended up being in the last match. But anyway, um, the match was good. Otherwise, I just wish that Nia wouldn't have uh, been made to tap. Then it was Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. Quick pace at a lot of points. Great storytelling. Uh, they got they gave the match a lot of room to breathe, a lot of room to breathe. Uh, the ending, I put I put the ending was whack as fuck, <laughs> um, and it was. It ended up being a small package, and that's how Daniel Bryan ended up winning. It was a really awesome match, a really awesome match, and for it to end with a small package was kind of insulting to us as viewers watching the match. It's like you could have done something a lot better it didn't even have to be any really big surprise it just could have been a far better finishing move to take it out you know or at the very least I don't know I guess the fact that he didn't cheat was cool he didn't grab any extra tights for the small package but it was like dude I don't know but yeah so Daniel Bryan's still the world champ I'm WWE champ then it was Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins the main thing that stood out to me was the fact that coming towards the end of the match, the audience began to chant, this is boring. That thing, wow, it caught me off guard. Another thing that I think is interesting is that they started saying it, and it's very rare that you'll get an audience chanting, this is boring, and then if a match doesn't pick up, they still stop saying it. So I don't know if it was something where maybe enough of them, the audience were like, these are two great workers. Maybe this time we are being disrespectful because they were chanting, this is boring, but it didn't last a really long time. So I thought that was interesting. That really stood out to me because this is a Seth Rollins match. I know he had to be in shock. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he's ever gotten a this is boring for a match that he was in. Um, but there was like, it was rare, very methodical. Everything felt very, very planned. You know, it was like you were moving along with the storyline and everything felt very detailed, you know? Um, Ooh, excuse me. And then I put that it wasn't boring. They just didn't have a lot of high spots. So it wasn't a, a normal, um, Seth Rollins match. And it honestly wasn't. And I believe it was because he had to wrestle a style for Dean and Dean is very ground-based. He may go to the top every now and then, but it's for nothing major, you know? I think one of his signature moves used to be when he was a face. It was a climb on the top rope and then give you like this awkward flying elbow where you're standing. And I said the audience was really quiet during this match. And they really were. They really were. For a Seth match, it was amazing how quiet they were. For this storyline, it was amazing how quiet they were. Um... So Seth went to hit a curb stomp. He missed it and ended up getting dirty deeds. And Dean Ambrose is your new, uh, your new intercontinental champion. So, and it, yeah, yeah. Cause I really think that they're going to start moving Seth towards being the world champion because again, you can't not world champion, universal champion because you can't go wrong with him. So if Brock ends up beating, um, Braun Strowman at the Royal Rumble, you can be sure that it's going to be Seth versus Brock at uh, WrestleMania. I believe that's the one person they know for sure can beat him, which will make for an interesting match because you would assume Brock is going to kill him 
So if he wins, this is going to be very interesting how he can beat who's how the person so many others couldn't. But okay, the very last match was Asuka versus Charlotte versus Becky for the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship. This match was phenomenal. Somebody back there was smart and knew that these women needed to close out the show. So smart. This match was so amazing. It was so good. Uh, I put Becky did a spot off the top of the ladder. Okay, so it was a point where she had both Asuka and Charlotte laid across one of the announce tables on the outside. She climbed to the top, and when she jumped off, when she jumped off, Asuka moved. All of Becky's weight went on to Charlotte. Like she literally jumped off and sat like a direct sit on top of Charlotte's stomach. Oh my God. All of that weight coming down on top of you. Like, whew. The referee checked on her. Like, and I'm like in real life. Like, he checked to make sure she was okay. Cause she let out this yell. Whoo, boy. I've never seen a wrestler land with all of their weight on somebody. I've not. Mm-mm, that was wild. So Charlotte ended up spearing Asuka through a barricade. And that would have been a lot better visually if the barricade was like not super reinforced. It hardly gave, which kind of makes it seem like the spear probably hurt even more because there was no give when she was speared through it. Um, I put, I love that you can't tell who's the heel and who's the tweener between all three of the women, especially Becky and Charlotte. And that's real. During the course of the match, I mean, I guess you probably got a good idea that Asuka is a face, but you really can't tell with the other two. For a minute, Becky seemed like a straight up heel. After Charlotte did what she did to Rhonda, she started to lean a little bit heavier into the heel type vibe. She started to wear darker makeup and everything. I actually like this Charlotte. I like the Charlotte where you can't tell what she is. I like that. But you can't tell it with either of them now. Becky used to be a clear cut heel. Now both of them seem more like tweeners. And I like that. I like when wrestlers, it doesn't have to be, I'm cut and dry. Just don't get in my way. I like that because that's that's more like real life, you know. Uh, then I put, Rhonda came down. So this is what was so beautiful. So Becky and Charlotte are climbing up. Uh, well, Asuka and Charlotte were climbing up one ladder. Becky came and put another ladder next to theirs. She started climbing up. Charlotte moved over to her ladder to stop her from getting up there. As the two of them were on there, something happened to Asuka and she got knocked off. I can't remember what it was. But the two of them are fighting on top of their ladder and Rhonda comes walking down, stone-faced. She comes in, she pushes the ladder over, both of the women fall off and they're knocked out outside the ring. Asuka climbs in, she climbs all the way up, she procures the title, and she is the new SmackDown Live Women's Champion. Awesome ending. Awesome ending. Three women who gave their entire body to that match told a great story. It was just awesome all the way around. And I love what they're doing with this storyline between Rhonda and Becky and Charlotte because you know this wasn't the original story. It wasn't. And I love that it's organically made itself this way. Oh my God. Like, I don't even know what's going to happen. I don't know if somebody's going to have to switch brands. I don't know what's happening. All I know is that it's wonderful what's happening right now. And it makes me really excited. And the fact that the women close out the pay-per-view and it wasn't even a blink. Like, it wasn't like, you know, and this is because it's no longer history because the women have, you know, they've main evented a pay-per-view before. So there have been whispers about it actually being, um, the match between three of them, Becky and Rhonda and Charlotte, being the main event of WrestleMania. There are whispers of that. So that will be really awesome. 
But yeah, that was all of TLC 2018. We are done now and we are still under 30 minutes. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to A Brief Healing. If you'd like to find us on social media, that is THSpodcast.com. That is THS Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and underscore THS Podcast on Twitter. You can also walk with me everywhere at Scorpiogi across all platforms. Thank you for listening to A Brief Healing. Make sure you check us out tomorrow, Tuesday, or check out this episode that's going to be going up where we're talking about Kwanzaa, just in case you're listening to this way after the Monday that this is supposed to air. Um, And I'll see you guys soon. Take care. I love you all so much. Namaste. Namaste.